the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and hour number two is only at eight minutes past ten o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us on this Tuesday, the seventh morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. We're going to dive right back into the latest now on the coronavirus. I'm going to repeat what I said at the top of the show as I bring our guest onto the airwaves. Um, they're guessing. They're literally guessing there is just no other way to say it. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks are giving their best efforts. I'm certainly certain, but they are just guessing. Remember, it was late February. Dr. Fauci said the coronavirus will be no worse than the seasonal flu. It was five days ago that Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks said best case scenario is 100,000 to 240,000 deaths in the United States alone. Now today... Actually, yesterday they say what we did is did, we did predictions of predictions. We like to integrate data. And so that's where you come up with these numbers. I think Dr. Fauci and I both strongly believe that if we work as hard as we can over the next several weeks, that we will see potential to go under the numbers that were predicted by the the numbers that they scared the bejesus out of the country with yesterday, no, they're not going to be that bad. They literally are guessing from day to day, as you heard Dr. Burke say, they use predictions of predictions in their models. Well, their models are all wrong. As I stated to you before, the University of Washington model had another horrible predictive day on Sunday. 69,000 beds in New York State projected, only 16,000 actually needed. 12,000 ICU beds projected, only 4,000 were needed. They don't know what they're doing. And that is why it is really incumbent upon all of us to question the policy making based on these models. Joining us now is Patrick Wood. Patrick Wood is the executive director of Citizens for Free Speech. He's also the author of Technocracy Rising. He's an expert in technocracy and runs a website also called Technocracy News. And he wrote a piece for that website just a few days ago called The Common Roots, or headlined The Common Roots of Climate Change 
and the COVID-19 hysteria. Patrick, good to talk to you again, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Doing great, thanks. So, Patrick Wood, um, your your article was just spot on. What an amazing read. And we'll come to the comparisons of the climate change models to these uh, coronavirus models in a moment. But first, give me your thoughts on the fact that they just told us if we did everything perfectly four days ago or five days ago, whatever it was, we're going to have at least 100,000 up to 240,000 deaths. If we do it poorly... We're talking about 2.2 million deaths. Now they're saying, yeah, uh, not so much. It's going to be, I don't buy that. It's going to be much lower than that. Pat, uh, I I feel like we're being led down this strange path into authoritarianism, not by the actual executive in charge of the government, but by the lab coats. They are putting us under their thumb without any reasonable um, proof that we need to be. Well, it's possible, and I'm hoping that this whole thing will backfire with these technocrats that have, uh, put forth these these faulty computer models, and that's all they are—just computer models. They're not—they're uh, uh, not really uh, based on anything other than just assumptions, like you said. And so, uh, ever since the very first computer model was created at Imperial College in London, uh, they've gone downhill. Every single one has gone downhill. And the author of, of that original study, Dr. Neil Ferguson. First said we're going to have a million two deaths in America, uh, or at least up to maybe more. And then he back and he said five hundred thousand in Great Britain. And then uh, he recently backpedaled and said, well, maybe it's only going to be twenty five thousand in Great Britain. That's quite a difference from five hundred thousand. And now he's down to seven five hundred. So, you know, these computer models are just whacked. They're they're um, created by statisticians, not medical personnel. People don't understand that. It sounds medical, but it's not. And so they take the models and they say, well, here's what you have to do. You have to lock everything down. You have to do social distancing. You have to close all the schools. And for some strange reason, the public policymakers, like the, you know, the leaders of countries, in our case, President Trump, they believe these people. And they believe their uh, their um, <clears throat> the solutions. You know, well, this is what you have to do to flatten that curve. Well, just the fact that they even mention the word curve indicates, yep, statistics at work here. This is the statistic model has no basis in reality whatsoever. Um, Pat, that's phenomenal information. Let's get more in-depth on Dr. Neil Ferguson now. You pointed out, and you do in your article, obviously, that Imperial College in uh, in London sees itself and views itself as a world college, kind of a, uh, you know, a larger-than-life type of organization, and that they are the ones who were responsible for the original climate change models, the ones that said we should have been underwater by now, right? What, 15 years ago, I think, almost 20 years ago? Um, we're supposed well, to be that- underwater. And we're not. And they drove all of the public policy based on that, based on those models, the ones put together, the original, as you say, by Imperial College. And Dr. Ferguson had a significant role in that. Compare those models for us in, a, in more of a thumbnail sketch version, obviously, than what you were able to do in your article. Well, they're just based on, again, they're just based on assumptions. And the assumptions have proved, uh, have been proven false over and over again at least when uh, they are transparent with their computer model. This is a problem, too, that uh, very seldom is the data released 
uh, or the assumptions released on how they constructed their models, but they have proven to be wrong over a period of time. And in the meantime, they have changed global policy, uh, again, by going after individual leaders of countries and stuff. They've convinced them that their models are accurate and that if people don't act, if leaders don't act on their models, that uh, drastic things are going to happen to them. You know, either 1.2 million people are going to die or the polar bears are going to die or the cities are going to flood that are all around the coast and stuff. You know, like New York will be underwater and the Statue of Liberty will be waving its, you know, barely waving its uh, its torch above the waterline. Um, these things are absolutely incredulous at this point. And this is the same people, same group of people that did the climate warming nonsense that are doing this nonsense and for some reason people give them a free pass i've never figured that one out are they just terrible scientists building terrible models or is there a nefarious intent they have an agenda absolutely they have an agenda and in the case of imperial college it is very tightly aligned with the united nations and sustainable development it is what they themselves call themselves a sustainable university and they're steeped in sustainable development. And as I've noted, that's equivalent to technocracy, historic technocracy. And um, <clears throat> their goal is to have an impact on society. This is a new type of university. People need to understand that, too. It used to be universities would compete based on academic uh, achievement, like they'd get awards and stuff for you know excellence in this field or that field. Not anymore. Anymore, the global university um, measures themselves according to the social impact that they can have. So the people at Imperial, including Neil Ferguson, decided they wanted to make a social impact. And so when the coronavirus came along, it provided the perfect platform for them to step into the fray, issue these, uh, these faulty computer models, and say, this is what you need to do, boo. And it's like, you know, it just, boo, I scare you to death. And well, that impact, can. that impact is right in the title of their March 16th report, Impact of Non-Pharmaceutical Interventions to Reduce COVID-19 Mortality and Healthcare Demand. Now, I'm going to quote from your article, which, of course, uh, quoted the report by Ferguson. Uh, a couple of quick notes here and observations. He compared it to the 1918 Spanish flu. He suggested there are just two possible strategies, mitigation and suppression. Mitigation, of course, is what we are doing. Home isolation, uh, uh, social distancing, the shuttering of businesses, et cetera, et cetera, so nobody can come in contact with one another. And, and what I really want to do now is skip forward in your article to this. To avoid a rebound in transmission, assuming that this is successful, to avoid a rebound in transmission, these policies will need to be maintained until large stocks of vaccine are available to immunize the population. And that could be 18 months or more. So Patrick Wood from Citizens for Free Speech and Technocracy News, are, are our world leaders going to continue to follow the advice of somebody who is so wrong about climate change in locking up the country, if not the world, for 18 months or more until docs come up with what they say is going to be the right immunization? Well, my guess is it's going to fragment to some extent, given the nation that um, you know has a good or bad experience with it, but... Our country, I don't know. We might, uh, but they have the control of the narrative right now. That that's what's kind of important to understand. They're the ones that are sitting in the driver's seat, 
And we have to uh, figure also what is the social impact that they want to achieve. This hasn't been asked yet, but I think people are wising up to it. Uh, what uh, people like Neil Ferguson want to do, that their, their designated social impact is to destroy capitalism and free enterprise. That is the underlying goal of this whole thing, is to destroy the economic system that the world operates under currently, and that is free enterprise and capitalism. And yes, it has problems. I'm not saying it doesn't. But this goal, if, it, if they're successful and they do destroy the economic system of the planet, then the only thing they will have to replace it with is sustainable development. And we've been through that before. And, you know, uh, well, we haven't been through it, but we've discussed it. Uh, this is what uh, United Nations wants. They're the ones that have developed uh, the modern concept of sustainable development. And this is what um, Neil Ferguson wants at his uh, college, Imperial College, in London. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear you talk about this and the globalist agenda here. Um, <clears throat> Because that you know through sustainable development, this is exactly what the goal is. And when we talk about a, a global economy, um, you know the World Health Organization is is at the, is at the center of all of this. They're the ones that are essentially directing policy here, um, and they are the ones who continue to defend and promote uh, China. Uh, who is responsible a for the existence of the virus and having its escape from uh, from from Wuhan and uh, that province. And then, of course, they kept the lid on it and didn't tell anybody around the world. They're the reason we have this calamity now. So the World Health Organization, which, of course, is just like the United Nations, they are involved in this as well, which is why Rick Scott, Senator Rick Scott, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, uh, was was screaming about this. We need a full-on international investigation of the WHO in the United States. needs to pull all of its funding from it. We cannot be a part of the World Health Organization. And quite frankly, or the United Nations, if we are the primary benefactor of those organizations and they are working against against our sovereign interests in the interest of globalism. Well, that's right. And people need to remember that the World Health Organization is the United Nations. Just as much as UNESCO or UNEP or any other agency, they're all one. They all operate together, and they're all orchestrated. Their policies are orchestrated from the top down. So anything that UNESCO or UNEP does, uh, the World Health Organization will follow exactly the same lead. And it's interesting, China's role in this is just absolutely fascinating at this point. China was just this last week um, appointed to the United Nations Human Rights Panel. <laughs> That's right. Go figure here. There's a special relationship between China and the United Nations. And now they're sitting on the Human Rights Council. Can you believe that? Well, Scott is, calling, Scott is calling for, and others are calling for the um, uh, the chairman of the uh, of the World Health Organization, or whatever he's called, the director, to step down. Because he clearly is in the pocket of Beijing, and is clearly not advancing the goals of all, you know, all, all countries who are part of the WHO and the UN. But he is being very specifically, uh, you know, a favorite, uh, he's specifically favoriting. Uh, the Chinese government, and clearly there's something that we need to do about that. Uh, Patrick Wood. Hey, Pat, real quick, I know it's 1022, and I'm already late to my break, but before you go, 
Let me hit you up with CFFS, Citizens for Free Speech. Uh, it's a wonderful organization. Full disclosure, I'm working with you on this because I believe in protecting the First Amendment. And um, there's a petition that's on the homepage of uh, citizensforfreespeech.org. Can you tell us about that? Well, I can. We're, we're very concerned about uh, the rights, that are, our civil liberties, um, uh, rights to the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, so on, are being grossly violated around the country and because of all these executive orders that have been issued. And we're calling on leaders around the country to uh, go ahead. I mean, take care of emergencies, but you have no right to trample on the U.S. Constitution and our Bill of Rights. It's just not right. And so a lot of citizens are very upset. We're very upset about it. We launched this petition to try and uh, send a message to local leaders and state leaders around the country, including national leaders too, but especially local, uh, that they need to stop this and they need to uh, always keep in mind that we have a Constitution in our country and we need to maintain it. And we need to band together in order to do that. That's what putting your name on Amen. that petition will do. It will join you with other people, activists who are willing to go to bat and fight to stop the uh, the uh, the uh, dissolution, essentially, of our First Amendment. Uh, as we, we we are denied our right to assemble, denied our right to practice our faith, and other things all under the guise of this strange, uh, strange model that we've been discussing. Patrick Wood is the Executive Director of uh, Citizens for Free Speech. Sign that petition at citizensforfreespeech.org and read his article. I've tweeted it. And Facebooked it, and I'll put it out there again. But you can also read it at technocracynews.com. Is it dot com, Pat? Uh, technocracy.news. Dot news. Oh, silly me. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Tech- technocracy.news. Patrick Wood, thank you so much. My pleasure. 1024, we're late for our news break. Let's get there now. Or, excuse me, for our timeout. Let's get there now on AM 1420 DX. All right, 1027, as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Coming up after the bottom of the hour news, a conversation you're going to want to hear. I have no idea how it's going to go. But we're going to talk to a Democratic legislator in the state of Ohio from Akron. Her name is uh, Tavia Galanski. She's a Democrat from Akron who wants to take her disdain for Donald Trump to the Netherlands. Uh, Not making that up. She wants to drag Donald Trump, presumably by the lapel of his suit jacket, to The Hague and have him tried for crimes against humanity. For what? Apparently for promoting the use of hydroxychloroquine as a potential treatment for uh, coronavirus. Not making this up. She's tweeted it. She did an interview with the newspaper about it, which means she's standing by it. Now she's seeking legal representation to make it happen. We're going to talk to her about this. I have no idea where it's going to go, but we're going to do it coming up at about 1035. Uh, Before the bottom of the hour news, I want to remind you, uh, if you are looking for something to watch and you're tired of Netflix, No Safe Spaces is available right now. You've got to watch this with your family. It's available online for a limited time only at nosafespaces.com. It was the number one political documentary of 2019, <clears throat> and you can. Uh, it stars Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla, and you can now watch it unlimited uh, for a special price at nosafespaces.com, and that special price gets even more special when you take 25% off for our listeners. All you've got to do is use the code SAVE25. 
25, save 25, and get 25% off the price so that you can own this and watch it as many times as you wish. Um, no Safe Spaces had a 99% uh, audience rating at RottenTomatoes.com. That doesn't happen. Highest rating for any film last year. Critics call it smart, vital, and urgent. And it takes to you how, you know, how and why America is, is uh, exceptional. It shows how our foundational American values, however, have come under attack and how you can fight back. If you want to push back against the threat of censorship, and the threat of free speech being denied, no safe spaces is going to teach you a lot of that. They're going to entertain you. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to be amazed at what's going on in this country. So watch it now at nosafespaces.com. Use the discount code SAVE25 for 25% off uh, on uh, the movie No Safe Spaces. News time now. Going to be back with uh, State Representative Tavia Galonsky next on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten thirty-six. We roll onward on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. <clears throat> Great conversation with Patrick Wood. We are scheduled to have a conversation coming up with uh, an Ohio uh, legislator, a Ohio state representative, uh, Democrat uh, Tavia Galonsky. If I'm saying her name correctly, I'll ask her when we get her on the phone. We're having a hard time making that connection with her right now, but we will let you know as soon as we do. And the reason I wanted to speak with Representative Galonsky was an article that I read in the uh, Capital Journal. When's the last time you read the Capital Journal? I didn't know about the Capital Journal, but okay, I got it now. Uh, and I'm glad I did, because the article was about uh, a tweet that Representative Golonsky sent uh, back on Sunday that said, and I quote, I can't, I can't tell, oh, she <laughs> just canceled <laughs> Somebody told her where she was going. <laughs> Somebody told her <clears throat> who she was going to be uh, conducting the interview with, <clears throat> and uh, I am told she just canceled. How did this go down? Uh, can you, uh, Marcy or Derek, one of you guys, tell me what just happened, because we were all set. <clears throat> Mar- Marcy, you guys got to stop being so shy. We have microphones on your side of the uh, table there, too. You can you can use them. You don't have to do it, do it by email, but that's okay. Uh, Marcy... <clears throat> Okay, Marcy, tell me, tell me who you talked to. Tell me what she said. Uh, you know, Marcy Peebles is our producer and skull, uh, call, skull, I just about called you a skull screener. That would be a call screener <laughs> <laughs> in English. Anyway, go ahead, Marcy. Yeah, um, I've been in contact with Bailey Sandin, which is her assistant, and she uh-huh. literally just emailed me that she canceled. She, uh, did she give a reason why? Um, she did in the email. Let me pull it up. Yeah, please do. Tell us, tell us what happened. Her t- uh, by the way, while you look that up, I'll tell everybody what the um, tweet said that made uh, this a newspaper article and made me want to have a radio interview with her. She wrote, quote, I can't take it anymore. I've been to The Hague. I'm making a referral for crimes against humanity tomorrow. Today's press conference was the last straw. I know the need for a prosecution referral when I see one. That was her tweet on April 6th. So this was yesterday. I thought it was uh, Sunday. Okay, it doesn't matter, April April 5th or April 6th. But basically, she said, uh, I'm making a referral for crimes against humanity tomorrow. She wants Donald Trump tried for crimes against humanity in The Hague, in the Netherlands, which is where international uh, crimes uh, are, are tri- or, uh, cases are tried. Uh, go ahead. What did the uh, email say, Marcy? At 1036, she said, unfortunately, the representative will have to cancel today's call. 
She was recently appointed to the Economic Recovery Task Force, and they have an aggressive timeline in regards to meetings and planning. So she was appointed to something when she found out she was going on the air with Bob France. <laughs> is essentially what I just heard. Um, thank you, Marcy. I, I will tell you this. I, I, I am surprised not, uh, not a lick. I was shocked when they agreed to come on. As a matter of fact, I texted somebody a link to the article that I was just <clears throat> referring to, a friend of mine this morning, and I said, I get to interview her today. And they read the article and said, said, uh, said uh, hold on, let me see if I can just pull that up real quick. <clears throat> the uh, person read the article, the friend that I was texting with, read the article and said, uh, Lordy, 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 where'd it go? I just want to pull this up on my phone real fast because it's funny. <clears throat> Let's see, where is it? Here we go. I get to interview this person today. She agreed to come on, my friend wrote back. Does she know who you are? <laughs> And the answer is apparently no. But between yesterday and 1036 this morning when that email arrived, somebody told her that this interview was going to be conducted by Bob France. And I can tell you from experience, there have been interviews that I have conducted with certain Democratic legislators, Senator Sherrod Brown, among them, uh, that just haven't gone well for them. Um, Yeah. Um, She wants to try Donald Trump in The Hague. This is what she tweeted. And from the article in the uh, Capital Journal, uh, she was asked by the Capital Journal if she legitimately intended to pursue this action, and she replied, yes, with an exclamation point, by the way, the way they wrote it. Just how she planned to initiate the plan, the representative was not sure. I can honestly have no idea, she said, but how hard can it be? She's, this is on Sunday evening, so the tweet was definitely on Sunday. She said her plan was to find out on Monday, which was yesterday, which is why it would have been great for me to talk to her today, to find out how her plan was being formulated to take Donald Trump to the Hague and try him for crimes against humanity. Her post received considerable attention, receiving 18,000 likes within just two hours and more than 70,000 by 6 p.m. Monday. The representative tweeted more than 230 times late Sunday evening, most of them, wow, that's a lot of tweeting, most of them retweets from users supporting her idea. Golanski was much quieter on Monday, tweeting just a few times and only twice early on about the proposal to prosecute Trump. She did not give any indication on Monday that she had taken any action as of yet. The representative is referring to the International Criminal Court, known as The Hague, after the city in the Netherlands in which it is located. Again, from the Capital Journal, her comments followed a Sunday evening press conference in which the president repeatedly encouraged the use of an untested drug, you got to like this, too, because whoever the writer is of the Capitol Journal. Hey, Marcy, see if you can get the writer on. His name is on the, at the bottom of the article. Um, get, see, if you, see if he'll come on on short notice. I'd like to talk to him, too, about his phrasing of this, of the, pre, the president's enc- uh, encouraging the use of an untested drug, which is being tested all around the world, quite literally all around the world. A survey, which I've talked about before, of 6,227 doctors spread out over 30 countries. Did I mention all around the world? In 30 countries, found that 37% of those treating COVID-19 patients rated hydroxychloroquine as the most effective therapy from a list of 15 options. Of the physicians surveyed, 3,308 said they had either ordered a COVID-19 test or been involved in caring for a coronavirus patient, and 2,171 of those responded to the question, asking which medication was the most effective. 
It was hydrochloroquine. It's being tested in China. It's being tested in France. It's being tested all around the world. Anyway, back to the article from the uh, Capital Journal. Health experts have repeatedly said the drug in question, hydroxychloroquine, has not yet proven to be an effective treatment. Well, except for all of those people who were dying of, of coronavirus, who were given hydrochloroquine and z and zinc and survived, and who are jumping up and down in front of every camera they can find saying, it works, it works, I would be dead right now, it saved my life. Yes, that's actually happening. A Democratic, uh, a Democrat rather from Detroit, I want to say I had it, yeah, here it is, here it is. Democratic state representative from Detroit. I would love to introduce this Democrat representative, Karen Witsit, to Ohio state representative, uh, Tavia Golonsky. I'd love to have them chat because state representative Karen Witsit started experiencing shortness of breath, sinus issues, and swollen lymph nodes and tested positive for the virus on Monday. I'm assuming this means last Monday. Her doctor prescribed, dun, 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 drum roll please, hydro, hydroxychloroquine, a drug used to prevent and treat malaria and also to treat lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and other medical conditions. Trump has touted the use of hydroxychloroquine during his daily coronavirus press briefings, despite pushback from some health experts who warned the drug could potentially be dangerous and its effectiveness against COVID-19 hasn't been proven. It has a lot to do with the president bringing it up, Witsit said in an interview with the Detroit Free Press. He's the only person who has the power to make this a priority. She began taking that drug in combination with the antibiotics March 31st and said, so it was last Sunday, she started receiving relief in less than two hours. Asked whether she thinks Donald Trump saved her life. Democrat Representative Karen Witsit from Detroit, Michigan said, Yes, I do. And I thank him for that. President Trump tweeted to this freshman state representative in Michigan and said, Congratulations to State Rep Karen Witsit of Michigan. So glad you are getting better. Yes, Donald Trump should most certainly be dragged to The Hague and tried for crimes against humanity. By the way, I should also point out, as... State Representative uh, Golonsky here in Akron wants to try him for war crimes and, in fact, is trying to gather lawyers to help him do that, help her do that. She actually tweeted, I need every lawyer that ever did any work on the international level to contact me. She said that Sunday, repeatedly offering her personal email address, asking supporters, send me your name and legal qualifications. She then also tweeted that Republicans were guilty of aiding and abetting the crimes against humanity by supporting Trump. So while she's doing all of that, I was listening to Dr. Oz this morning. He appears daily on Fox News, Fox and Friends. I think he goes also daily on the Today Show. He's just a doctor. Dr. Oz is an entertainer and a doctor, of course. We all know that. But he's no, he's not politically liberal or conservative. He just talks medicine and the body. Right, we we all know this, so I think he's on the Today Show all the time, and he's on Fox all the time, so he doesn't have an extra grind. He just provides information, and when he was told that people continue to call the testing of um, 
and the results of hydroxychloroquine, quote, anecdotal, he bristled at that. He did it on Monday. He did it again today. He said, this is not anecdotal. He said he talked to a French doctor who, who did a study of 1,000 people, 1,000 coronavirus patients were treated with hydroxychloroquine. Two of them died. Uh, what did he say? A handful, like seven or 17 or something, uh, had to go into the hospital, and all of the rest found relief from their symptoms and got better, faster. Uh, That may not be a quote-unquote widespread randomized trial, and I'm not a doc, so I can't even describe what randomized means, but this is what they talk about. While it might not be as, you know, doing, you know, uh, something, you know, massive with a control group and so on and so forth, it's a pretty doggone good number. And as President Trump said, if somebody's lying on the table, maybe breathing their last breaths, you're telling me the doctors shouldn't be allowed to prescribe hydroxychloroquine to see if that pulls them back from the brink? What do you have to lose at that point, he said. And he's right. He's 100% right. And hydroxychloroquine is saving lives, including Democrats who have no reason to support Donald Trump at all. All right, let's go back to the phones, get a couple of calls here. Um, Hold on as my screen refreshes. Who does it say is at the top? Uh, It says TJ is at the top. Go ahead, TJ. TJ, are you there? DJ is busy. Let's go to uh, Brook Park. Frank on AM 1420, The Answer. Are you there? Thank you. Yes, sir. Hey, the eight abortion clinics in Ohio are still working and running, okay? Okay. Uh, here in Cleveland, it was issued a cease and desist order on Saturday, March 21st, from Attorney General Yost's office. Mm-hmm. The police of Cleveland, who were called here on March 21st, went in the building Came out minutes later, and he said, they're not going to stop, and uh, we can't do anything about it. And we went back to the the governor on this, comes back with, well, it has to be, any enforcement has to be initiated by the local police authority. Well, Cleveland didn't do anything. Ohio's doing nothing. One of the major problems here is there's no penalties. You know, in Europe, it's like up to $6,000 American per incident they, they can charge you for violating. They're violating all the time. You, you know what's interesting about this, Frank? You know what's me? interesting about this? Yeah, let me jump in. Let me, what's interesting about this is that down in uh, Hamilton County, that's Cincinnati, <clears throat> prosecutor down there named Joe Dieters was in the news two days ago for threatening to lock up and let them die in jail anybody who violated the stay-at-home order in that county. He said, if you want to kill yourself, go ahead and do it in the jail cell, but I'm not going to let you kill my neighbor or my kid or blah, blah, blah. In other words, being out and potentially infecting other people, right? So he's threatening to throw them in jail. And what you're saying is here in Cuyahoga County, in Cleveland, abortion clinics are open. They have been ordered to shut down and cease and desist. And nobody's threatening to throw them in jail. Nobody's threatening them with fines. Nobody's threatening them with, as you said, any recourse or repercussions or accountability for this. They just defy the attorney general's order and keep on going. Absolutely. That's the problem. We have there's no penalty. In Europe, I say they're charging up over $6,000 per offense, depending on the offense, whatever that is in Europe, which is fine. God bless them for doing it, though. But there's wow. no penalties here. Nothing. They're still operating. And by the way, a little side part here. 
They wear no personal protection equipment, at least the ones that are outside. I see the security guard, and I see the woman that drops the dead body parts into the dumpster. They have a dumpster there, which a garbage truck picks up occasionally. Right. And neither, neither one of them had any personal protection equipment. On the same day of March 21st, the security guard had to help a woman out. And by the way, the security guard is a big, strong woman, about six foot two. I wouldn't want to mess with her. Yeah. She had to help a woman to the car, to a, some family member or someone picked her up. She could not walk on her own. That was the same day the status of the fifth order was well, issued. I, I don't want to get into all the nuts and bolts of this. Yeah, we, 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 we want to speak to the big picture of getting these places shut down. Um, and here's the thing that we're going to do, Frank, and thank you for the phone call, my friend. I appreciate you keeping us abreast of this. Uh, I'm going to ask Marcy and Derek and anybody else who can assist to try to get a, a question to the governor. We are not, of course, at the governor's daily press briefings in Columbus, so I can't ask him a question in that capacity. But I would like to see if we can get a statement from them or an answer from somebody next to the governor or an answer from even contact Dave Yost's office. I would like to find out why it is that they don't enforce the AG's directive. If the directive is cease and desist and the AG isn't doing anything about it, uh, I want to know why and what we can do about that. Why police are not being ordered to go in and indeed physically shut the place down. That's what I would like to see happen. So we'll see if we can get an answer from the governor. He's so quick to shut down golf courses and playgrounds. How about we shut down the abortion mills, Governor DeWine? I'm quite sure that there's a little bit of death happening there. 1052, right back. One more Final segment, 1056. Let's get a couple more phone calls in. We'll go to Kevin in Medina on AM 1420 The Answer. Hi, Kevin. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm good, sir. Good. Say, I, I really appreciated the, your, uh, the interview we had with that gentleman. I'm sorry I forgot his name. but uh, Patrick Wood. Regard, yes, right. Exact, re, regarding the, the uh, statistics and everything like that, I felt this so much, you know, already – uh, you know, since the beginning and, you know, trying to be responsible about this. My question is, how do common people like us around here turn this thing around? I mean, I, I feel like we're down a path where, you know, we're, we don't have any real real power or real say in, in the decisions that are made. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be careful. I'm not saying that people aren't being getting sick and dying, but I've had friends that work in the healthcare the, uh, industry in, in Cleveland is saying, you know, where is everybody? And so it, it's starting to be something that's making me feel uneasy because I'm afraid that we're really relinquishing way too much responsibility. And I, you know, you were also talking about the, the testing. Boris Johnson tested it with the hydroxychloroquine, you know, and like, what's this all about? It's just, it's just really unsettling, and I just would hope that we could come up with a way that everyone could could calm down, realize that you know how we can gain our country back. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm going to tell you something, Kevin. That's going to sound self-serving because I told you I've been working with Patrick Wood and volunteering with um, Citizens for Free Speech. 
But the petition that we have put together that's on that website is is designed to do exactly what you're talking about, bringing people together, providing us with a little bit of hope. It's going to lead to meetups once we're allowed to meet again in cities around this country, which is going to lead to grassroots activism, which is going to lead to us being able to exert our power and to demand that our Bill of Rights be honored, to demand that all of the public policy that's being decided be decided with all Americans in mind and not just a few of the ones wearing white lab coats. It's very important that we grow and build um, this this group uh, that we're that we're doing right now. So if you see fit, uh, Kevin, I'll tell you and everybody else listening. Log on to Citizens for Free Speech. There's no acronyms. It's all spelled out. Citizensforfreespeech.org. The petition is on the homepage. Sign it. Give your information so that we can contact you. And when we get or we're able to meet up together as groups, we will put together organizations that absolutely will be able to have a say in how we are governed. So that's the importance of that petition. And I strongly encourage you and everybody else to do that, okay? Bob, thanks. You're doing a great job. Thank you, Kevin. I mean that to everybody. Appreciate your call, Kevin. I mean that to everybody. Citizensforfreespeech.org. Sign the petition. It's going to lead to bigger and better things. You're going to be amazed by it. Please trust me. I'm working with Citizens for Free Speech on this one. Thanks to Patrick Good, my guest today. Thanks to you for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.